from newstalkzb.co.nz. It's the Mike Hosking Breakfast with BNZ. G'day there, and welcome to the rewrap for Monday. All the best bits from the Mike Hosking Breakfast on Newstalk ZB in a sillier package. I am Glenn ZB, and this morning, uh, this whole anti-Trump, you know, thing, it gets a bit uh, sort of in the way when it comes to discussing the immigration debate and stuff like that. We'll come to this shortly. Uh, so we'll, we'll stay with Trump's administration with Sarah Sanders being kicked out of that restaurant. Uh, the UK supermarkets have gone sweet free, apparently, and should we join the Eurovision Song Contest? But before any of that, a little bit of Kiwi build progress for you. Later on this morning, going to talk to Phil Twyford, the housing minister who has put the call out for help. He has finally worked out. What most of us knew last year when he trumpeted his much vaunted, criticised and debated policy of building more homes than he was ever capable of. Kiwi Build was one of those classic Labour policies, laudable but hopelessly unrealistic. This was a party promising to cut immigration by 20 to 30,000 and at the same time lining up thousands of chippies and sparkies to build a number of homes at a scale the country hadn't seen in decades. It was fanciful. And that's before they got to the bit where no foreigners would be taking part because we don't like them. Fast forward eight months and you have your back down on the foreign money and now you have Phil pitching his case for all and sundry, including offshore operators, to come on in and offer up some ideas on how to build a lot of homes real quick. Kit set is one word that's being tossed about. And in that lies a twofold problem. Firstly, of course, we have no idea who's interested in any of this, given the margins are so tight. Then we've got the quality issue. Do we not, when pumping these things out like dollar bills, run the very real risk of producing a lot of crap that will haunt us for years to come? And it's not like we don't have form. This country is famous for crap building, and that wasn't even under any sort of pressure. And then do we not as one bank economist has said in the past week, run the risk also of overproducing, especially in the apartment market. All we have to do is look at Australia, who have been making the very same mistake. They saw the prices rise in places like Sydney and Melbourne. They panicked. The hammers swung, and now they've got apartments galore and prices falling. What we all agree on is we, at this point, are short on supply, but Phil's dream of 10,000 homes a year for 10 years has become a laughing stock, given it was ill-conceived and even more poorly executed if you can call producing so far exactly no homes executing anything. The trick to solving a problem is not to create new ones. As he sits here this morning, having built no homes and clearly no idea if he ever can do so, you'd be wanting to be slightly nervous that things under his purview are slightly out of control. Yeah, there are some people in the Labour caucus who... Uh, seem to be acquainted with reality and then there are other people who live in a sort of a theoretical world full of unicorns and rainbows. It must be nice there this time of year. Not sure where Trump's at at the moment uh, with regards to reality. Donald Trump. He said last week the greatest threat to America is the media. And I thought that was a slightly extravagant uh, sort of thing to say. Russia. Russia might be a little more threatening over the uh, longer term. Surely China has a worldview that might bother many Americans. ISIS, although diminished, is not vanquished, and there are any number of nutters and what you'd loosely call terror groups out there looking to cause America harm, and that's before you get to the domestic nutters who seem to wreak havoc on the local landscape with their obsessively large collection of weaponry. If you're being slightly facetious, you might indeed argue that the current president himself poses a certain level of threat to large chunks of America. But although the media claim uh, might have been a little bit flamboyant, he nevertheless made a very good point. From a media perspective, if the election of Trump has shown nothing else, 
It's exposed glaringly the sheer hypocrisy and dishonesty of so many of the industry's operators. These are the ones that claim neutrality. The ones that argued they were fair and balanced and took no sides. Their game was mere reportage of fact. The editorialising was left to others. Those are the ones that have been laid bare. And our most recent, perhaps best example, is the photo of that distressed, some might argue distraught child, that has been flashed around the world over and over again as an example of a kid who was snatched from its parents who had entered America illegally. In that photo was the poster child of all that was wrong with what Trump was doing. Look at that face, that anguish, that fear. The child who didn't have a clue where its mother and father had been taken, whether they would ever be reunited. And yet, as it turns out, that child was never taken from its parents at all. The child was doing what a lot of kids that age do, cry for who knows what reason, but the reason we do know is it wasn't because they had been separated from their parents. Now, you may not know this until now, and the reason for that is that this particular revelation exposing the sheer dishonesty of those who so heavily peddled the picture originally is that the apology and declaration has not been quite as lavishly published as the original accusation, and the reason for that is... It's embarrassing. It exposes yet again the agenda so many of these organisations have. They're not interested in the truth or fact. They're interested in message peddling under the guise of neutrality. A simple rule should be, you put it on the cover. When it turns out wrong, you put that on the cover as well. But they never do that. They put it on page 27 where they hope you won't see it. It has never been a more dangerous and confusing time to believe everything you see and treat it as fact. And the photo of that child, in a nutshell, shows how dangerous and dishonest it's all become. Yeah, I mean, everything gets spun, spun every which way, doesn't it? Um, and, and one of the chief spin merchants is, of course, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. That's her job. Uh, but does that mean that she's responsible and doesn't deserve to be served at restaurants? Sad, this Sarah Huckabee Sanders thing, I'm sort of torn. I come down at the end of the day on the side of Sarah Huckabee Sanders. But I'm torn to the extent that the person who booted her out, the owner of the restaurant, Stephanie Wilkinson, uh, I'm a big believer in if you're a business owner, your right to do business is yours. And there is that well-known saying, you know, the right of entry, you see it you see it on doors, the right of entry is at the discretion of management. So in other words, they say, look, we reserve the right to not serve you. And that's, that's a well-known rule in the uh, hospitality game. So in that sense, you would have to defend Stephanie Wilkinson's line that she didn't want Sarah Huckabee Sanders in her restaurant. But where I ultimately come down on the side of Sanders is Sarah Huckabee Sanders is not the President of the United States, uh, is, is merely an employee and is merely doing her job. Now, you can say, well, look, she wouldn't do a job if she didn't believe what Trump was doing was right, and that's a fair point. Uh, but I think we need to spend more time in life just getting on with each other. You can have a Sarah Huckabee Sanders and fundamentally disagree with her, or a Trump, or anybody you like, and you don't have to boot them out of a restaurant, you don't have to hate them, you don't have to insult them, you don't have to do anything. You just have to accept they've got a different view of the world than you. And guess what? It's not the end of the world if you do. And so I would have been happy to serve her no matter what uh, her political persuasion was. But then I don't know what's going to happen to Stephanie Wilkins' business. I would imagine uh, she's in for a spot of bother over the next few months. Yeah, it's a a hard thing. I mean, as being the White House press secretary, is that... It's not quite like being uh, uh, a guard at a Nazi concentration camp. And to be, t- t- you know, you're just following orders. It's not quite the same thing, is it? But it's, in some ways, is it? Oh, it's a tricky one. That'll be a talker today. 
Now, uh, do you do you like the lollies at the supermarket uh, checkout aisles or not? I note that uh, the palms are knocking the sweets off the um, the checkout counters now. This is their latest attempt. What we're going to see in Britain, and they're, they, they're as good experimental um, uh, operation as any. So for all the people in this country who argue we need tax on sugary drinks and we need to ban sweets and chocolate biscuits and all that stuff, look to Britain. They've introduced a sugary tax, 8p per can. That's underway. They're now banning sweets and patty snacks at the checkouts. That will mean within a year or two we will see undoubtedly, because all the advocates who argue this is the right approach, we will see the slimming up of British society. So stand by for when that doesn't happen, and instead of going on... Well, I mean, we're already seeing the results of this, obviously, (laughs) with um, England getting through to the next round of the World Cup already. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe there are... I mean, you don't just beat Panama 6-1 by accident, you know. Maybe there's a new athleticism about Britain I failed to see there a month ago. Yeah, I mean... I think you'd struggle to find an English person who wasn't a bastion of uh, vim and vigour at the moment. Uh, speaking of which, Frankie Stevens, always uh, vimous and vigorous. I don't think the vimous is a word, but you know what I mean. Uh, he, We talked to him today about the possibility of entering the Eurovision Song Contest. The question is, do you send someone famous or an unknown, and or do you put a commercial song in or something a bit quirky? Well, I think I think you'd have to do something... Um, um, Fairly, fairly New Zealandish. Mm. Be, be that a mixture of um, culture um, wrapped up um, with uh, with uh, New Zealand uh, um, style, pop style, mm. um, could be the way to go. I reckon um, we should. I, I reckon we should enter. I think it's a very good idea. I don't know why we haven't entered. I don't know why we haven't been in it for years. But um, it seems fun. It's eclectic, but it seems fun. Frankie Stevens, good to catch up. When with you, you, when you say we, do you mean we well, should? Well, not me. Put something together. Okay, you've got musical talent. I've heard you. You whistle quite a bit when you I go whist- in and out of the studio. I it's, whistle. While it's I always. Work. It's always deck the halls with bells of holly for some reason, which I think is a weird thing to whistle. In my world, in my mind, it's permanently Christmas. Yeah, it's, it, it's really weird. He he. I'm not making that up. He often will just enter or exit the room whistling deck the halls. What is that about? Just a secret hankering for it to be Christmas all the time, like you said, I guess. Who would have guessed that from from little Mikey? I am Glenn ZP. Uh, that was the rewrap. We'll see you back here again tomorrow. It won't be Christmas then either, except in Mike's brain.